What's up, Dashley fam? Today, Ashley and I are sitting down with our parenting model, our parenting icon, our parenting guru that we look up to in all things, Ralphie Jacobs, better known by her Instagram name, Simply On Purpose. We went to one of her workshops and we vlogged that. Ashley talks about what she learns from Ralphie all the time. So buckle up and get ready for this conversation we had with Ralphie on parenting, about family traditions, about working as a couple while you parent your kids, and just so many more like solid truths and nuggets that you're going to get from this podcast. Ashley and I loved every minute of it, and I know you will too. So without further ado, our conversation with Ralphie Jacobs of Simply On Purpose. Okay, so we have Ralphie Jacobs with us. For anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who doesn't follow me on a daily basis and see all of my shared stories from Ralphie, (laughs) aka Simply On Purpose on Instagram and the internet to the world, honestly, Ralphie is here to talk to us. Dallin and I went to her conference almost a year ago. We had a two-year-old and a 10-month-old and we were just didn't know how to handle our life. I found Ralphie on Instagram and she has quickly become like second only to the scriptures as far as how I parent my children. And we are just so excited to have her. Ralphie, how are you doing? Oh, I am doing so awesome. Thanks so much for such a kind welcome. Wow. I feel very humbled. (laughs) I appreciate it. No, we love you in our house. You have done so much for our family. And I think so many families would say this to you if they got the chance to talk to you. Like, your message has been truly inspired and meant for our life. Mm, Absolutely. It was like the first main parenting course that I ever did as a father. I made Dallin come. I no, like, I wanted we to need come. This. We need to get on the I same just, page. Like we wanted to get on the same page and it was monumental for like our marriage, let alone like our kids' life. So so it was great. And we have yes. a few questions that we um, wanted to like follow up on or just discuss a little bit more just of the main things that you discuss in your in like on Instagram every every day and but first we just wanted to get to know you a little bit and how you um kind of got to this this point like what is your story and how did you get to where you're at today with like Instagram and traveling the country doing workshops and having a course and and, and just all having of that this stuff. like positive parenting movement be your your passion oh yeah well you know to be honest I don't even know <laughs> I don't even know how it happened it just did wow that's um, a- Yeah, I mean, miraculous things happen. I think that once you have a willing heart and you're open to the possibility that the universe brings things in front of you so that it can be, it can be possible. Um, I uh, just grew up in a unique household with um, a very large family and a father who was disabled and a mother who has a PhD in child psychology. So it was just very much like this. Um, upbringing of human struggle and the respect for it. And I love um, children. Like that's my natural passion is um, nurturing children and learning how children um, learn and how they think and, and seeing things through their eyes and their perspective. So it came very natural to me to um, go into early childhood education. But then after I started um, my own family, it, I saw this huge, um, need for a positive conversation about parenting. There just wasn't a lot of productive <laughs> voices out there and especially voices on the internet. There's a lot of, um, 
like airing our grievances and saying why we don't like it or why our kids are bugging us. So Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to stop feigning neutrality and to speak up about it. And it was, there's just a huge need for it, such a great need for it. So I came in at the right time and um, had the right voice for it to um, just resonate with so many families. Well, I love that you take a, like a a science-based approach to like childhood development. And that, that really resonated with me. It wasn't just like a bunch of good ideas. It was like, it was like meaty, you know, that's what I really appreciated about it. Yes. And it's, it, and that, yeah, that's what guys love about it is it's, uh, when we, when we dig into the science and the research and like brain development, it's, it connects the dots for us Uh and it's no longer like, Oh, let's just emote and talk about how we feel. It's more like, this is lawful. This is predictable versus kumbaya. You know, (laughs) I think Uh it's real, it's real tangible scientific research backed up. Well, it's so scary as a parent, or at least we kind of felt this when our son George turned two and suddenly he had these misbehaviors or like not super, not behaviors we loved. And we felt like deep in our heart that we had done something wrong and it was mm-hmm. our fault. And if, if we didn't change something or do something, there's all this fear that we would be the reason that he wouldn't be a successful member of society or like that he would fail because of us. So that, I th- like you kind of came in at just the right time where like you were the change we made instead of other ch- like other ch- paths we could have gone down because yeah. of that fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point to make is that sometimes parents will think um, my, my child's only nine months old or my child is only one. I mean, is this even going to help me at all? The earlier you can learn about, those parenting skills, the better, because you're developing patterns, you're developing habits Mm -hmm. and, um, it's harder to change them. I mean, it's definitely not impossible. It's always possible. Change is always possible. It's like the neuroplasticity of our brain is we can always change and remold our brain through experience on purpose. But, uh, it's so much easier if we start when they're really young and we start at the beginning. Totally agree. It's so, so hard too to like change how you parent. Like our second <laughs> baby, we hadn't done much with a two-year-old, you know, like we'd mostly just enjoyed him. But with the second one, just like little things like her first little tantrum or her first time saying no to us, just knowing, kind of having a path that we already knew how to walk down. It's been so much more chill. Yeah. Yes. So you uh, started Instagram and then... um when did you first like when did you first when were you like oh, know people that people listen. wanted you to like set up conferences and like how did it how did it escalate um how did it escalate that's a that's the good way to, <laughs> to call anchorman it. well that escalated quickly yes right exactly <laughs> um so i i think i had maybe like five thousand followers and there was a really sweet girl, um, Kim Christensen. She's does loom journals. Anyway, she was like, Hey, if you want to like come to Utah anytime, um, I'll like make an event for you. And I was like, like, all right, sure. (laughs) Anybody will show up for that. But she's like, let's do it. A charitable, charitable event. Like we had just had hurricane Harvey here that had like devastated Houston. And so I was like, yeah, let, let's do this. I mean, even if we make a few hundred dollars, it'll be perfect. Uh And so, 
Um, we did that event. The tickets sold out really fast. And then somebody else said, hey, would you like to do an event? I have a golf course. And it just kind of escalated from there a little bit at a time. Each event, um, I was able to bring in more people. We were able to do more sessions. Um, and it just, there's just, again, there's such a huge need for it. We have such a different environment that we're trying to raise our children in and we need new skills. We can't lean back into what our parents did. We have to have some really deliberate skills of how to direct our child through this journey that they're living in now in the world that they have today. So, um, and the, yeah, it's, it's people are desperate for for ideas of how to parent in the modern day, in the modern world. So, I mean, this is probably for Dallin and I too. I feel like positive parenting is, at least for me, it kind of feels like this ambiguous phase that is kind of almost what what whoever's teaching it or writing a book wants it to be. I think there are yeah. core values. What does what does it like mean to you? So, I mean, well, let's let, let me let me ask answer that by asking you this: <laughs> what? Is to you, if you think about like the natural way to parent and to help shape behavior in your in a person's home, what do you guys think that is? To well, I guess growing up, it was to uh, obey, punish, or like bring attention to the negative behavior and try to stop it with negative reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. So when we see something that's wrong. We think, okay, it's our job to go in there. We are the warden. We're the person that, you know, stops the behavior and tells our kids what they're doing wrong so that they can do better in the future. Mm -hmm. Positive parenting is the opposite of that. It kind of flips that on its head and it says that the actual research is that positive reinforcement works better at shaping behavior and decreasing misbehavior in your home than um, go, trying to do it through negative means. So it means looking for what your child's doing well and paying attention to that and building a child up on the strengths that they have rather than focusing on their weaknesses. So you're, you're developing this positive narrative in your home, this positive language of appreciating where they are already. And then this great, you're speaking to the hope of the future. You're speaking even to their potential and you're using your limited time and energy to um, develop more good behavior. So we, we do that in like a lot of different ways, but it's like through our model, it's through teaching them in deliberate ways. It's through praising what they're doing well. And we just spend so much of that time and energy, just building good behavior through positive means. That's what positive parenting is to me. I love that. And I love when people treat me like that and it makes, and it's so helpful for me. And, um, on the flip side, the pot, like the, um, there's the part of me that says, well, what about the bad behavior? Like, do you address it? And like, so what do you say to people when they ask? Like, does it just, does it just fall away from, is, does it just die from lack of attention? Or I know, I know Ralphie's answer. She puts it into extinction. <laughs> I put it into <laughs> extinction. Okay. You well, have an I, avid student in me, Ralphie. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You, you That's could probably, probably what people say, that. right? Oh, yes. Well, because the, that's like a really common misconception is that we think if we don't pay attention to it, we're condoning it and it's permissive parenting. Like, oh, you know, yeah, that me not paying attention to that is sending a message. That's fine. You can do that. Uh -huh. um, but what the research says is that most powerful in 
uh, reinforcer for a child's behavior is parental attention. So if you withdraw the reward, it's so much more um, less likely for the behavior to continue. So it may not look like good parenting to everybody else around you, but in the child's brain... It's working. It's working. Well, there's the flip side of you can redirect with positive attention and say, come over here. Let's do this together. Yes. You know, like, yeah. oh, I have a great idea for you. Like, let me show you something. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. And that's the perfect example of a parent's power to help shape a child's behavior just by what they're paying attention to, by what they say, what they do. Parents are just so incredibly powerful in their home um, for helping to shape and mold behavior. And that's, we don't give ourselves enough credit, not nearly enough credit. It's really easy to say like on a podcast, but in the moment, there's so many things that get in the way of us being these rational beings. And, and, and instead I like, I fall into the trap and Dallin does. And I think so many parents does do of being triggered instead of like being able to come back and rationally redirect. What's especially if like you are like having a little party or get together with other parents and their kids and your kids do something to their kids and you're like in your brain that you're thinking they're going to want to see you handle it or something, you know? Right. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I could say to that. The first is just to remember that parenting is not a social matter. You shouldn't feel social pressure to decide how to parent your children. It's so personal. It's so emotional. It's spiritual. And it's really something that you need to um, decide for yourself rather than having society dictate that for you. Um, Because if we as parents forget that we're the leaders in our homes, we're the fearless, confident leader, and we have to leave, we have to lead uh, bravely then we will make decisions that society is telling us to do. Like, yeah, punish your kids. Yeah, give them a phone when they're eight years old. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. like um, have them do all of these extracurricular activities because that's better for their development. Um, there's just, you really have to have to trudge forward with a, with a brave and courageous um, mind rather than... F- worry about what other people are thinking of, of you. And of course, you, you can tell them, hey, let me tell you the science behind this. This is super Ralphie cool said stuff. this. Yeah. Yeah. You can say, hey, <laughs> follow simply on purpose. <laughs> there you go. But it really, uh, uh, yeah, I think that we assume that people are looking down at us like, oh, they're terrible parents. Usually when I see a parent that's struggling, I have like great compassion for that because I've been there before so many times. So I think that we assume that people are thinking negatively about us and not very often they truly are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Big Little Life with the Dashleys. We are supported by BetterHelp. You guys know that Ashley and I are all about improving ourselves and our mental health and the health of our relationship. And BetterHelp is an online option where you can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It is so convenient. You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions. You can even chat and text with your therapist. There are over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states specializing in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, 
relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, anything you share is confidential. This is available worldwide and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. There is financial aid available for those who qualify. It's secure, it's convenient, and it's professional and affordable. It's especially affordable for you guys, Big Little Life with the Dashes listeners, because you'll get a 10% off your first month coupon code with discount code Dashleys. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash Dashleys. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you will love. That's betterhelp.com slash Dashleys. We are supported by trust and will. You guys, it is so important to have a will spelled out, ready to go for your family. I can't explain how much peace of mind it brings to Ashton and I knowing that if anything happens to us, heaven forbid, that our family, our kids, our assets, everything is taken care of in our will. And we made it online and it is so easy with trustandwill.com. Trustandwill.com makes getting a legal will easy and affordable for everyone. It's 10 minutes to finish online. It is a lot easier than you would think. And estate plans start at just $39. They offer guardianships, wills, and trusts in all 50 states. They even have people available to instantly answer any questions you may have during the process. Seriously, it's so easy. Do it for your family, do it for your loved ones, do it for yourself. Guardianships start at $39, wills at $69, and trusts at $399. Visit trustandwill.com slash big little to automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust. Again, that's trustandwill.com slash big little to automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a guardianship, will, or trust. When you were kind of getting into this whole parenting in a positive way and you would feel triggered, what would be things you would say to yourself to kind of like get you through that moment and into a place where you could parent positively or, or you could look for the good or you could redirect? Oh, such a good question. So yeah, this is more of that brain science. When we have these negative patterns, the only way or, or a trigger, whatever you'd like to call it, your child's doing a behavior that you don't like. And our negative pattern for our brain is to just go, you know, uh, dive like deeply into ahead. this. Like, right. Like they're doing this on purpose. I can't <laughs> believe they're making my life so miserable. Yeah. Why are they doing that? I already told them 50 times not to do that. Like, at what point do late. I draw the line? Like what? Right. Yeah. I, I can't believe. And it's usually um, those feelings of like, ah, by the way, are, are um, hiding something more vulnerable. It's usually like um, f- feelings of inadequacy. Like I, I don't know what to do here. Like I'm not a good parent because obviously I've already told them to do that and they, they're not doing it. So I feel shame about that or I'm, I'm depressed. This is what my life is like or, but then we mask it with like anger and like, we're going to gain leverage. I'm taking all your stuff away, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. This so, is all ringing very um, true. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so natural for us to like, to go into that pit, but there's, um, the brain science is to teach your brain to do like a starting ritual, which means that you do something or you think something or you say something or you move somewhere to get yourself to stop that pattern and to learn a new pattern. Stop like so the some, victim pattern or the why yes, me pattern or the, the power, yes, power, the, power. Or the anger pattern yeah. or, um, yeah, just uh, whatever negative pattern that you have, you want to break. Okay. So it's um, some of the things that I do 
to help me to get out of my head and out of my story, because that's usually what makes us angry, is we're thinking about our adult story. The stories you're telling yourself in your head. That's what yeah. Brene Brown says. That's what our therapist right, says. Exactly. Stop yeah. the narrative. We write, we write these stories and we live them out. And sometimes they're not even real. Uh-huh. But, um, but our child's story is very different from ours. Yes, they're they are embodied in this human body, but their brain is so very different from ours because their brain is just developing. And a lot of the things that they do are functional. I mean, like lying is a great example where parents like that's, that's the adult moral story is they're lying to me. How dare they lie to me? I can't believe they would lie to me. But a child's story is I don't want to get into trouble. I'm afraid like I might get hurt or um, this is going to just keep peace in the home or I'll just be creative about what happened. I'll pretend like it didn't or it did. Um, So that's their story. Yeah. Nothing like nothing insightful or or like manipulative manipulative at all. Just like I'm going to be creative. (laughs) Right. It's like it's it's like, uh, let me think, you know, or. Or I, I, I say a lot of times, like, it's like putting your child up against a cliff and then pushing them over it. <laughs> like, did you lie to me? And then you like push them over and they're like, yes, I lied. And you're like, you see, I told, you know, Man, you like so cue sad. the lie. Yeah, it is so sad. So, um, so that's the, that's the adult story versus the child story. So for me to get into my child's head and get into their story, I have to do a starting ritual. I have to say something or I have to do something. I have to move my body or um, give, my bo- give my mind a new thought. So one thing that helps me a ton is to just move and get down at their level and look them in the eyes at eye level rather than standing over them. And that's, this is like an early childhood development thing. If you can just move your body and sit down at their level, then you, you're sending a message of, I can see things through your point of view. I can see what's going on here and, and I can help you. And another thing that you can do is, so move your body, get down at their level. Another thing that I like to do is um, other starting rituals that sound like, it's okay to be three. That's Okay. It's not a bad thing to like push limits. It's not a bad thing to throw a tantrum. Tantrums aren't like the most evil thing. They're actually the answer to a lot, a lot of emotional buildup. Um, it, and another one that I really like to say to myself is just like me. So a lot of times we project our better self onto our children, like get a hold of yourself, you know, kind of a thing. And we're yelling at them, but, but it, I know it's funny, huh? Yeah. But, uh, so for me, when I say just like me, it's usually they're struggling with something that I still struggle with and I am, you know, 35 years older than them. Mm-hmm. So, um, if she's like whining and crying and screaming because she can't put her shoes on and tie them fast enough, cause we're going to be late. And I'm like frustrated and I'm feeding my anxiousness onto her and my frustration. Um, she doesn't like to be put up against a tight timeline and it makes her stressed and nervous. Just like me, I'm the same way. So there's so many things that, um, I think that if we just thought for just one second or three seconds or five seconds and thought, okay, I just need to reframe this. I need to change my perspective here. And, um, 
and walk a little bit of a different path so that I'm not going to go into the same place that I've been to before. And I know that's not an effective and happy place to be. I'd rather be over here trying to, trying something new. And I say this all the time, if what you're doing isn't working, do something different. And mm-hmm. often it's doing the opposite of what you're doing. So if you're yelling or screaming at your child, that's something and it's obviously not working and you feel bad about it later and you're like, oh, I'm a terrible parent because I lost my cool. Um, do the opposite, get down at their level and talk in a really slow voice. You can talk in a slow voice when you're angry, by the way. I was listening yeah. to your mini- <laughs> I do it all the time. You guys, yeah. you and Carly yeah. talked about that. In, you're doing like a mini course on Instagram right now. Yeah. And you talked yeah. about like Mr. Rogers and his voice. And I just had so many questions pop into my head. And I always have had these like, how much is my three-year-old really understanding of this paragraph of words I'm throwing at him about why he needs to behave well or like, like what's your take on that as far as like slow and simple and direct? How, how do you go about that with, with your words, with your younger kids? Um, yeah, monologues don't work for any child, even if they're 16, they'll tune us out pretty, they'll tune us out really fast. Um, but one of the best ways to have a child learn is to ask them questions. And if you, and if you watch like Mr. Rogers or somebody that's really good in child development, they will talk slowly, but they'll really engage the child's brain. They'll have the child think of the ideas. They'll have the child use their own logic to solve their own problems. Um, So that's what I would say. Instead of doing a long string of sentences to ask questions and then to be an active listener. So say things like that sounds like you're frustrated and that you're upset that they took that away from you. What do you think you can do about that? And then they'll ask you, they'll answer. Um, and sometimes it's silly stuff, and but accept all the answers regardless of what <laughs> they are because they're still ideas. And yeah, um, uh, yeah respecting those answers, one of the ways to do that is to write it down To There's something magical about writing things down to a child, even if you're like, okay, what what's something that you could earn if you did this behavior really well for a week, they would say, oh, let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, I'll write that down. Go to Disneyland. Can you come up with some more ideas? That one has been noted. <laughs> it's just respecting them, respecting their thoughts and their ideas. And it's just a representation of I validate your feelings. I validate um, your ideas. So. Yeah. Oh, something that like you say, be an active listener and and um, listen to the emotions that they're having. I've known George, our son, is three and a half, and he doesn't understand the whole bunch. He well, he understands a lot, but one thing that he seems to grasp pretty well already is the is like the different words for the different emotions. I'll be like, mm-hmm. "Are you angry?" and he'll be like, "No." Or like, "Are you frustrated?" and he'll be like, "Yeah." Mm, <laughs> and he's just that's like, "So good." Like emotions are it's like the common denominator. It's like across languages, across like Culture. age groups. It just seems like it's just the one thing that kind of unites us and speaking on that level it seems to really help him a whole bunch. Yes, yeah. There's this little phrase um where if you like just speak the emotion, it um, it just makes the 
the child felt like, oh, like I am not this emotion. It's just temporary. You know, once you just like say it out loud. Um, yeah, it it's really cool. There's actually this study where they put people who have like a great fear of spiders in a room with tarantulas and um, they asked certain groups like, tell us how you feel. And they would like, I'm terrified. There's a big hairy spider right there. I don't want to touch it. Like, get it away from me. I'm full of fear. And then this other group, they tried to talk them out of their feelings and tried to give them some like skills and stuff. And then another group, they talked about something that didn't have anything to do with the spider. They tried to distract them. And it was, um, and they measured like their brain waves and their reactions and like their, their sweat and like their heart rates and, um, the, the group who just talked about how they feel, it was, that was the greatest improvement. Wow. Um, That's a cool study. Yeah. Just like remembering that I feel this way, but I'm not, I, this is not who I am. I'm, I'm just feeling this for a minute. That's all that our marriage therapist tells us. (laughs) And it's so much easier to do with our three-year-old. 28 and 30. We just need to express how we're feeling. Yeah. Communication. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't change with age. Um, with, no, it doesn't. With positive parenting, kind of the first step, I think, is, or you kind of say, well, I think the first step is kind of self-management, and that's probably its its own podcast. Um, and then you talk so much about emphasizing the good. I was listening to that mini course this morning again, which, by the way, is I took like a page of notes. It's so good. Um, Thank you. And you used a phrase I had never heard before, and and it kind of like rang at, true for me as being kind of the beginning of emphasizing the good. And it's called unconditional positive regard. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to know so much more about that and like the the stats behind it and like what that means to you. I thought that was the coolest concept. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, okay, so here's the cool thing about uh, our brain. I just keep going back to like, the science behind it is that when you walk a path of abundance rather than a path of scarcity, then you, you, it's so much easier for you to see what's good in a situation, even when there's not a whole lot of it. Mm -hmm. You're just walking in a path of gratitude rather than like, Oh, you know, this is all like I'm never going to be happy enough, or I'm uh, it's never going to be good enough, or our home's never going to be nice enough. My kids are never going to be- behave well enough, and it's walking a path of like there is abundance of good here, and I am going to look for it and I'm going to find it. Um, it tricks your brain into thinking that you already have it, so you're living um, your future life in the present moment. Like you're living like it in, in a world of like, I don't even really have it yet, but my brain is tricked into thinking that I do. So, so when you do that with your children and you think like you are a good, you're like, your being is good and you're just trying to do good. And yeah, like sometimes you mess up. Sometimes we make mistakes or we fail miserably, but this is all a pa- part of growing up and it's so natural. It's so normal to do this. And, and I'm not alone and I'm not the only one here. So I can walk this path of like, you are, you are a good being and you're trying to do what's right. It helps you to think in your head that um, I'm, I love you like no matter what, even if you, you do 
make a terrible mistake, even if you do write on the wall with Sharpie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that helps you to not get angry and to separate yourself from like what's really going on. Like, okay, they wrote on some drywall. Like that's a little problem. That's right. not a big problem. Um, we can fix that. We can paint over it. We can, I can help her to learn how to clean it off. This is a, this is a teaching opportunity for me. Um, and um, somewhere along the way, a lot of, by the time they get to be teenagers, a lot of the struggle with a teenager is that they um, don't feel like there's that unconditional positive regard, that they that their love of a parent is based on performance. And we need to change that. I don't know how we get, we've gotten to that place where um, teenagers come into a home where we're always focusing on weaknesses or what they're doing wrong. Um, and we need them to do better because we feel like, oh my goodness, we're at a deadline here and they're going to leave and off to college. And uh-huh. They're going to have to know them. everything. Yeah, they have to know it all. So um, you told a story um, yeah. that really was powerful for me where uh, someone was giving a speech in a high school auditorium and, and she's, she asked them to raise their hand if they were paid for grades. And then she asked them to raise their hand if they felt like their family loved them more if they got good grades. And, and it was like an astounding amount of kids who raised their hand Mm -hmm. the second time. And Mm -hmm. it it just kind of illustrates the mindset that we have as parents that it's, I don't know, like, I don't know, punitive is not the right word, but it's based on merit or it's based on how well, or I guess we illustrate our love for them if on based on how well they do their chores or how clean they are, or how well they perform, like performance-based, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And really the secret of parenting is not what a parent does for the child or to the child. It's rather who the parent is to the child. Like that's the secret of parenting. That's why I talk so much about being a safe parent and being consistent and always being that place for your child to be able to come home to because that's where the those strong attachments are created. And um, what's changed in the culture of our world today is that we're rearing children who really struggle with attachment. They struggle with having a strong attachment to their parents. And it's eroding the family because um, we're... In the home, that's where we learn um, how to nurture. We learn how to comfort. We learn how to guide. We learn how to model. We learn so many important things. Um, I mean, it's basically like the foundation of who we are. Every anytime, <laughs> you know, somebody goes to a therapist, it's almost always like their childhood story that needs to like come out and to be healed because mm-hmm. there's something that wasn't quite right or didn't quite work very well. And I don't want to put the pressure on parents like it's all or nothing because truly it's not. I mean, in fact, the research is that you only have to get it right 40% of the time for them to turn out fine. Oh, that's re- but, that's relieving. Yeah. yeah, it's so relieving. But um, to really remember like parenting and family home and um, the and, and how we regard our children matters more now than ever. It really, really does. Yeah. So um and we feel that, right? Uh-huh. We really, we, we start to feel that and we're, we're, we're really beginning to understand that. So when you say like how the parent, who the parent is for the child, 
would you you would you say that that in, involve that includes like how the parent sees the child like their worth yes and like like what else yeah um and um if the parent is that that gentle teacher um oh. and the model for every i mean a child's a child looks at a parent for everything so they're really a child's north star so everything that you do that's like the gold standard I've been, for no a pressure. child <laughs> i've been no pressure <laughs> yeah right 40 percent of yeah. the time yeah yeah I've, stay tuned for more big little life with the dashleys another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think all parents, and it's kind of been on my mind lately, like how do I make sure that my child feels loved in my home? And like, again, this mini course that you're doing is blowing my mind on every level, but you had the phrase today and I wrote it down in like bold letters. Um, you talked about how I respond, or maybe it was Carly, like the home is where your child learns how to feel that like what it feels like to belong and what it feels like to be cherished and what it feels like to be loved and how to connect for those in those first relationships. Um, and one of you said how I respond to a mess or it could be to noise or it could be to chaos illustrates to my child how I feel about them. Mm -hmm. Essentially because like they're the ones making the mess and they're the ones making the noise and they're the ones causing the chaos. And if they feel like your happiness is more when there is no noise and when there is no mess and when there is no chaos, it kind of ergo, they love the home more when I'm not around. Right. Yeah. And it just like oh. slapped me in the face because I find myself so many times being like, oh my gosh, like my kitchen or like you mm -hmm. dumped our sensory bin all over the living room. Like, why did you do this? And just like, that's the mess is what makes me come apart. And it's just like sending this blaring, like, you are the reason for my unhappiness, essentially, to my kid. They're very sensitive already about ma making a mess. I know, and I hate it. And, like, I was growing up, like, and maybe it's just kind of like a trickle-down thing, but I just thought I wrote that down in big letters, and it, I've never, I, like, try and, I'm not, like, a words person, so, like, saying, I, I say I love you, but for me, like, I don't necessarily, like, feel, like, deep love when someone says I love you, but mm -hmm. I, I feel deep love based on how people react to me. And I think like responding to the mess and like the toy room or the kitchen or like after lunch, if I can change in myself that pattern of like freaking out essentially, like 
low grade freak out, but still like the mood changes to a, a place of being okay with it and like emphasizing gratefulness to my children. I think it would, I think it would like solve so many of, of my fears about being an inadequate parent or mother. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's what we really go away from, right? Uh, Clayton Christensen wrote a book called how will you measure your life? That's how we measure our lives. It's not about how clean our home is or if the sensory bin is put away or not. It's really that we send a message to our children. I love you more. I love you more. Like, yeah, you, you dropped the bowl and you shattered it across the kitchen floor, but I love you more than a bowl. And I, I've dropped stuff before too. So here, let me show you how to handle this. As a family, we work together, we clean up and we support each other when we make a mistake. Um, life's not going to be perfect, but, um, our model will speak louder than anything to our kids of how we handle disappointments that we can turn failures into successes, that we can be, um, masters of ourselves and that, um, yeah, we can metabolize things in a healthy way so that it doesn't hurt the people that we love. Man. Yeah. So good. Do you have a routine? Um, cause you have kids, you have, you're so busy with your job and all that you're doing. Like, do you have a routine to, to master yourself and like take care of your own needs and, and yourself like in the morning or, or throughout the day? Like, how do you, how do you do that so that you take care of yourself and your own needs so that you can like go and crush it the rest of the day? Yeah. Well, you know, parents and children thrive on boundaries and, um, that's probably one of my biggest, um, pieces of advice is to really think about where your boundaries are. Sometimes parents feel like, oh, you know, in order for me to be a good parent, I just need to welcome them into my room at any time of the day or night. I need to get down at their level and play with them anytime they want me to play with them. Um, children really do thrive on those and parents do too, because then we know this is where I can be me. This is where I can be Ralphie. And this is where I can be mother. And this is where I can be wife. And this is where I can be friend. And this is, you know, we want to be well-rounded and like fulfill all the parts of ourself rather than feeling like we're being sucked dry. That's actually something that Brene Brown says is that um, the most compassionate people set really strong boundaries. Because then when they do decide to love, they love on purpose and with purpose rather than like, ugh, you know, like uh-huh. I'm being sick dry. Like I don't have anything left to give you. And this is frustrating to me. So um, good bedtimes are really important. Also, this is something that I talked about in the mini course with Carly is that it's okay to say, no, I can't play with you right now. But then think of the time when you can say yes. And it doesn't have to be for very long. It can be 20 minutes. But even in those just those 20 minutes of playing that game or pretending with the dolls or whatever, it really feeds the child's bucket. It fills your bucket. And um, and it's a more effective use of your time. It's it's um, quality time versus quantity time. So yeah, um, ba- yeah boundaries are something that I really um, live by in order to let my children thrive too. Because if you create boundaries, it's like putting up a wall and then your child can bounce up against it. That's how they develop their identity. That's how they develop their individualism. That's how they um, create their reality 
is by a by a parent putting up a wall and saying, "Here, now bounce up against it." Yeah. And, and then they learn who they are, and they learn the difference between you and them. So what do, I, I, it's it's really healthy. What are like? Do you mind sharing some of your like your family's boundaries that you've set up that re- work really well for you guys? So um, healthy sleep habits have been always um, priority in our home. Having the children go to bed um, at a decent time. Now that I have teenagers, they kind of do a little bit more of their own thing, but still the message is there. Like mom and dad, want we like to be with each other. We love each other. So we're going to say good night. So guys, have a good night. And we'll like go into our room and, and hang out there. Um, other boundaries are when I say, yes, I can, but or no, I can't right now. My hands are busy, but I can do that with you in a minute. Um, also boundaries where you feel like they're asking you to do something, but they're capable of doing it themselves. Then you can say, that sounds like you have a problem, but I know you can do that yourself. So come on back and show me that you fixed it when you're done. So not like being engaged and everything. Another really great boundary is ignoring the junk. That's a huge boundary where you say, this is what I'll engage in. And this is what I will not engage in. And I don't need to engage in every sibling fight. And I don't need to engage in all of your whining and I don't need to engage in all the other stuff that annoys me. That's something that I don't, you know, I'm not going to use my energy and my time for, but I will use my energy and my time for helping you to develop more good habits. So those are, yeah, strong boundaries there. I have to ask, this is a, this is a happening in the Ashley Down house right now for ignoring the whining. Like, do you just let them whine? at your leg for an hour or are you like, do you physically remove them from the room that you're in? How do you like, what does ignoring look like to you in regards to whining? Yeah. So ignoring the junk is usually what parents remember the most because that's easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh Like they, they'll remember, Oh, ignore. Oh, I can ignore. That sounds easier. But what the other side of that coin is, is selectively reinforced behaviors. We don't say selective reinforced behaviors because it's not as catchy as ignore the junk. Right. Right. So, but those two are together. They have to stay together. So while you are ignoring what you do not want to pay attention to, find something that you will pay attention to. And it doesn't have to be there in the moment. It can be something that they did before. It can be something that you're expressing hope for that they'll do after. So when a child's whining, you can say, um, thank you for standing right by me and, um, and keeping your feet calm. Or you can say, you know, you find anything that they're doing right. Or you can say, Oh, I love what right after school, you came and you brought me that picture. It was so pretty. Can you go get it for me again? I want to see it again. Um, or you can do a simple cue. That's another way to help momentum is you can say, I would love to talk to you as soon as your voice sounds like mine. Uh-huh. Um, That's good. So that you're kind of redirecting and you're moving it in the direction that you'd like it to go without giving, pay attention to the whining. So that's another little tip is like, don't use your time to talk about the negative form of the behavior. So um, sometimes parents will say, thank you for not whining. Yeah. You're still talking about the whining, even though you've thanked them for not doing it anymore, you've still paid, you've given attention to the negative behavior. So you instead say, thank you for um, talking in a calm voice. I love it when you talk like that. That's good. And then let's, that usually works. If it doesn't, are you, is the, the next phrase, like however long down the road, 
it looks like yeah. you're losing control. Like, let's go find a place for you to calm down. Is that kind of the route? Sure. You go? Yeah. You can help with that. That's a, um, and especially wait, you can help with that in the moment. I, when they're, when they're happy, I would practice that behavior mm-hmm. so that they know what they're, what's happening rather than like, what is she doing? You know, that it's not a punishment. It's more of an opportunity to reset and to gain some, um, self-regulation and learn how to cope with your emotions. Um, but those are basic skills that all people need to learn how to do is to learn self-soothing. So, um, you can do that and then, um, but then make sure that you show them the path back to you. That's the difference between a punitive timeout and like a timeout where you say, it sounds like you just need a breather. And then as soon as you're ready, come on back. You know, mm-hmm. I'd love to give you a hug when you're ready. So that's, those are different um, experiences there for the child. Very different. Yeah. I love that. Okay. You talked about one thing that you like would be your number one tip of advice, like boundaries, maybe not number one, but one of your, your big tips of advice. Do you have a top three? Like if you were to go back and talk to Ralphie when Aaron was born and say, Hey, new mom, like (laughs) these things are, are really going to be a lifesaver to you when you have your fourth baby, but you should start doing this with your first baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would probably talk about all the ways that a parent can build good behavior. So um, using your power to um, build on your child's strengths and what they're doing well and um, the ability to create momentum for more good. So I would talk more about how to model what you'd like to see and how to teach a young child more deliberately rather than saying, stop, knock it off, get off of that. Don't touch that. Don't stick your fork in there. Um, I would talk about um, that. It's it's okay to, it's important for you to show them the, the path that you want them to walk on rather than telling them to just stop walking. Um, uh, yeah, that would probably be that. Like use your model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Use your model and teach your child more deliberately. Cool. That's all. That's, that just rings with uh, the positive reinforcement. Yeah. Mindset. What does parenting look like, like for you and your husband? How, how, what have you guys done to like come together on this journey and complement each other? Like, what does that look like in your home? Well, to be honest, Brian is, he's the better parent. <laughs> he's so good. And so I, and I know that there's not all, all couples live with that kind of dynamic. He's very meek and mild. And so um, it's and super teachable. So when he learns something, he just sticks with it. Um, so, uh, but not, not all parenting is like that. And, and we still, we, we still have to learn from each other, right? Like I'll, I'll give him a look and be like, really? Or sometimes he'll give me a look like, really? And we're like, you know, we have to reset or think about what we're going to do or our communication isn't effective or um, we have gotten better about talking about what we should do with helping to guide our children and to teach them more deliberately. I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that we are doing differently is that instead of like, oh my word, she is nuts. This child 
is going to like, I mean, this is going to be the year of surviving Nell. I mean, really, that's <laughs> all we're, you know, and it's just like, yeah, we're like, hey, yeah, it's making us crazy. Um, I think that now where our conversations are so much more productive, like what could we do? What would help her? Um, all right, maybe we can have a mommy daughter date this Saturday and, and I can talk to her about it. And, or maybe she needs a different outlet. Maybe we can start a book club. So it's more like productive conversations and how we, we just feel more empowered as parents to be able to make a difference in our children's world. But again, going back to not all parents are like that and, and couples are like this. And I think that often parents actually, um, are coupled together that are opposites, like opposites really do attract Mm -hmm. and, um, and they become even stronger opposites because they'll polarize each other. Like one parent will feel like, well, she's too lenient. So I'm going to have to make up for her leniency. And the, uh, you know, the other one will be like, well, he's too strict. So I'm going to have to make up for him, you know, being a, a strict ruler. And so they'll continue to like pull further and further apart. But what I would just maybe say as a recommendation that is just to stop the power struggles, um, not with just your children, but with your spouse as well. And realize that you really are on the same team. You both want to raise good kids. And when we argue about that, um, it just pushes the partnership further away. So better communication. I mean, you, you guys know this already because it sounds like you've had lots of practice with it. But <laughs> yep. yeah, like letting go of things will really make your home more peaceful. You don't need to like dig in and say what they're doing wrong. Use all the positive parenting principles on your spouses. It works just the same. This is not just like childhood development. It's like human behavior. All humans benefit from positive reinforcement. All humans benefit from people saying, I love that you did that. And good behavior generalizes. You can't isolate one behavior. They all move forward in the same direction. So it it benefits a human being's life in general if you point out one thing that they're doing well and you say, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for doing that. So if you say to your spouse, thanks for doing the dishes. I really appreciate your help in the home. It helps so much. That will help them to be a better parent because they're just feeling better about themselves in general. So don't need to be angry. It's okay. Like there's no such thing as right and wrong. Um, There's so many different ways to be a good parent. Yeah. You talked about in your mini course again, I keep going back there. Like you said, everything needs to be mutual with your kids, with your spouse. And I think when we think of the family, sometimes we think of a pyramid or like someone's the head or someone's more in charge than the other person or the children need to be always obedient. And I loved what you said where, it needs to be mutual, like respect needs to go back and forth mutually and love needs to go back and forth mutually and listening needs to go back and forth mutually. I thought that was a, a really powerful, could be a really powerful change in our home and, and in yeah. any home yeah, and, and in any relationship. Yeah. And instead of thinking of yourself as the, the boss, the one that is the dictator and as at that top of the pyramid, like you just mentioned, think of yourself as like, I'm just barely one chapter ahead and I'm just the mentor. I'm the counselor. I am the consultant. I am the one that is the advisor. Um, and I am the one that they're inspired by rather than I have to know all things all the time. Um, 
and, and show them you're human. That's so good for your kids to have you be humanized. And because when they get to be adults, it's less stressful for them. Yeah. They, they realize that mom and dad messed up too. And we're still figuring things out. Yeah, that's that's really good. So is uh so your husband worked on does he work outside the home? Yes, he does. Okay, so you're with the kids throughout the day. Um so do you I guess I do you still consider yourself the primary caregiver or does it like is it just how do you how do you, how do you balance the roles there or do you see your both as equally like the primary caregiver? Um I would say since I started Simply on Purpose, we've definitely um, may become more, uh, dual impact on the home, yeah. <laughs> if uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, um, Brian is incredibly supportive of what I do. And so he is, um, helping to fill in the gaps where I can't do those things anymore. And it's been so good for the kids. And this is something that I can speak to in for all families is that sometimes if we can take a step back and allow our children to spread their wings a little bit, we can see how capable they are. And this, that's the same with your spouse too. Um, I used to, I, I am like very much the nurturer. I like to take care of my home. I like to take care of my children. I love to make them meals. And I mean, that's just how, I mean, right or wrong, right? But that's just who I am. And so it was so good for Brian. It's so good for my kids for me to have to take a step back and say, I have to work on this project or this is something that I need to get done. And then they just spread their wings and you see them feel empowered and see them being able to do the things that you thought that they couldn't do, but they can do them and they feel stronger because of it. So, um, yeah, that's that's, really good. We're, we're running short on time. We want to respect like your day, but I just wanted to ask you one final question. I love learning about like the real life and about like what people are, are implementing in their home. And I know from following you, you have so many like cool rituals and traditions that you do with your family and I well, like what are kind of what are your favorite ones that you're doing right now with your family? Maybe it's something that happens at night or at dinner or at Christmas. What's your favorite ritual that has had the most impact on on your feeling of togetherness and connectivity? Um, well, this is kind of a general one, I guess. I mean, not too specific. I mean, we have lots of little traditions that are fun, but probably one of the biggest that is made our family special, I guess, is the fact that we really do love to be together. And that um, it's it's probably like our favorite place to be is together um, rather than over at Freddie's house or uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. going to going to gymnastics class or whatever. They really, I mean, which they do those things as well, but they they really do love to be together. And I think that that's something that you can create, um, you know, culture in a home, it happens whether you pay attention to it or not. So, but a parent has the power to create a, a culture that's purposeful, a culture where that you want to have. And so if you want um, to have m- music be a big part of your culture, make it be so by um, introducing that to your kids and have it going to concerts. If you want sports to be a big part of your culture, you can make it be that too. 
But um, but for us, it's really always, it's been like we are each other's best friends. We love to be together. Um, things that foster that are, are um, screen time is family time. So we don't turn on the TV unless we're all sitting down and we're watching a show together that we think is funny or we're watching a movie on Friday movie night. Um, uh, like if you get one, if you ask for one Jacobs, you often get all six of us. Because <laughs> we're just like, we're just going in the car all together. I, uh, I, it's just uh, something that we enjoy. So I, um, and as a parent, you can make it be, like create those adventures, have, have an adventure on a Saturday or have those traditions. Traditions are basically like, um, uh, if you think of a rug, it's like the fabric that weaves it together and holds it together. That's what a tradition, that's what traditions are. They make the family unified. They make the family feel special and they don't have to be big. They can be like the tiniest, silliest little things. Um, like whenever Brian gets home he stands on the rug and Sybil like runs up to him and, and he lifts her up and gives her a big hug. They, they call it the hug rug. And that's such a silly little thing. Oh, but but it it's something that they'll remember and they feel special because they're part of a family that has that tradition. So, um, yeah, come up with some silly little traditions that look unique for your home. That's so neat. So I, earlier, you met uh, one last little question. You mentioned uh, screen time is family time. Um, and then you... You, at the beginning, you mentioned like, I'm just going to give a phone to a kid when I'm eight. <laughs> you know, when do you, when do you give your kids phones? Well, my kids don't have personal phones yet. I have, um, Aaron's almost 17. She doesn't have one yet. Um, our plan that. is to probably give her a gab phone. Those are like, uh, are they like the screenless dumb. ones? They, it looks like a smartphone, but it doesn't have an app store. It just has like, um, ability to call and text and has a calendar and an alarm or something like that or does a calculator she, does she like does she push back at all on that like she's oh in high heavens school. yes okay yes but that <laughs> like, like just go into that like manage your expectations yeah. your children will feel the social pressure uh -huh. and you'll feel it too um but we do have a family phone that has a sim card and they can use it when they need to go babysitting or they can use it at school when they need it for a project. Um, so we do give them an option, but um, I just feel like I have to protect their childhood as much as I can. And I know some may say that a 16-year-old is no longer a child, but she has a big body, but she's still a child. And um, that... Um, you just have to do what's right for your family. And I don't think I'll ever hear a parent say, I wish I would have given them a cell phone sooner. Yeah. It's never, ever going to be that story. Uh -huh. uh, somebody sent me a DM a few days ago because I was talking randomly about phones. And she said, do you feel bad? Does she ever feel bad that she's missed out on a party? And I said, honestly, she doesn't know that she missed out because – nobody's contacted her or, you know, or what, you know what I mean? Well, like, and like probably her friends who want her at a party know to call your phone or the home right, phone. Right. Or, or they, yeah, they know to use school. Right. They know how to, they know how to use it. They know how to figure out how to contact her. But that, that FOMO, she doesn't have that because she's, she's present. She's like here embodied fully, like wherever she goes, there she is. 
So she's never worried about like, oh, I've missed out on this or I missed out on that. Like she just is happy where she is. And that's what we want for our children is for screens to not tell them this is who you should, this is how you should feel about yourself before they've even developed that on their own. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we want for ourselves. I like, I've started purposely like quotation mark fingers, losing my phone and just leaving it at home. I I love it. And and it just, it's helped so much with me just not having the FOMO or not feeling like I'm missing Mm -hmm. calls or missing schedules or behind on time. It just allows me to just be at the park or to, Mm -hmm. you know, like look at my kid or talk to them or it get, I, I don't have anything else to do. I don't have a phone in my hand. I can get down and play with them if I don't know where my phone is. And I'm just, I'm really good at losing stuff. So it comes very <laughs> naturally to me to not where, know where my phone is ever. But it's, I, yeah. it's been like a, a great thing for me. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. That happened to me just the other day. I left my phone home um, and I got home and I, I didn't see it for several hours after that. And then I looked at my messages and I had missed a meeting because they had changed the time or whatever. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know. And I, <laughs> oh, I missed out on a meeting. Drat. Darn. I feel not too bad. <laughs> so yeah. present, it's, yeah, it, there's more benefits than one <laughs> if you leave your phone behind. That's so. really good. Cool. Thank you so much, Ralphie, for calling us. And just for oh, like yeah. giving us some time to chat. I'm sure everyone who listens to our podcast will love this one so much. It's been one of our favorites. Oh, it's my pleasure. And enjoy those kids. Give them a big hug for me. And I wish you the best of luck in all of your parenting endeavors. Thank you so much. One more time, where can like everybody listening, where can they find you and learn more about everything that you're putting out there? Yeah, I'm on Simply On Purpose on Instagram. And then I have a website called simplyonpurpose.org and I have an audio course out all about the parenting principles that I teach and I have and I do workshops across the US. Do you so uh, schedule a workshop on the website too? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. All the workshops are up there. All righty. Yep. There it All is. Right. Okay, check out Thank Ralphie you. Simply on Purpose if you uh, if you haven't heard of her already, if you're not already following her, definitely do it. It's been uh, life-changing for us seriously. So thanks again Ralphie, have a great rest of your day. You're welcome. You too. See ya. Bye now.